We are here to uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly of the IT industry. My name is Robin Johns, and this is Convergence by Cato Networks. Solving emerging business needs with point solutions inevitably creates a pile of network and security products that must be integrated, managed, and maintained by IT. As networks expand to include cloud and remote users, handling this only becomes more complicated and expensive. Yet, the alternative of outsourcing management to a third party entails higher costs and lack of control. Can IT professionals avoid the hassle of point solutions without compromising control of enterprise-wide networking and security? How can they facilitate business growth and respond effectively to evolving industry changes? Today, we are hosting Daniel Verkler, Cato Network's sales engineer. We'll talk about the transition from point solutions to convergence and how it enables IT professionals with the tools to do what they need to do best and not sweat the grunt work. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, Robin. Glad to be here. And it's good to have you here. So before we get into the topic of convergence and talk about all things wonderful in tech, tell me exactly how did you get here? What brought you through your career path to be where you are today? Well, that's a great question. I started out in 2006 as an IT practitioner. I was with my old company for 15 years. There's my service award, by the way. But then November last year, I got promoted to become a sales engineer for Cato Networks. We've been using Cato since 2017 of the last year. So it's been a real journey. I've got to see enterprise technologies be deployed at scale and really work within the Cato platform to accomplish the various business needs. So that's my journey so far, and I love being an internal Catonian now. Oh, it's great to have you. But I love the way you talk about having the opportunity to play with different types of technology. As we know, technology is fun. And honestly, the reason I'm in tech or the tech field is because I'm curious. And most people I talk to also want to know how things work. But the more tools you have, the more items, the more pieces of software, the more complex your life becomes. You know, you can talk to people and they'll say, oh, have you sent me a message on Wangler? But don't send me a message on Wangler before you download Vex, because Vex have to talk to Recon. And if Recon doesn't talk to Quimby, then Quimby can't talk to Vex. And quite frequently, it's just a hodgepodge of words. So question for you. When was the concept of convergence born in your eyes? Well, it really goes back to 2015 and even beyond that, you know, where IT really started to think about those different silos that you're talking about and kind of integrating those silos and how do they all play together? How can one talk to the farthest end in your example you just mentioned and really kind of working through that methodology of, you know, these disparate pieces of technologies need to interact appropriately to give you a solid platform. And that happens in all things technology, right? We talk about ERP solutions, we talk about networking and security. All of these things have to play together for business to operate successfully. So in your eyes, what does real convergence look like? It's a very big, broad topic. And I know it's the, we've finally talked about the title of this podcast. I know everybody out there is saying, oh, they say the title. But to you, what does convergence look like? Well, for me every day, you know, it's really like you mentioned, breaking down those silos and pulling those technology stacks together to give you something that's useful. Let's take, for instance, the iPhone. Look at how 
popular and successful that is, breaking down all of those barriers, collaboration, phone, texting, email, all in a single device, but it has to be easy to use and consume. Otherwise, your consumers get dissuaded, right? They're like, this technology is too hard to interact with. How do we make it easier and how do we deploy it successfully throughout our lives? Because everybody's looking for simple. We got to keep it simple. Keeping it simple is one of the testaments I live in life. Kiss, keep it stupid somebody. Keep it stupid somebody? No, wrong way around. Keep it simple somebody. I got there eventually. But <laughs> keeping things simple is really hard because to achieve simplicity comes complexity. The idea of an iPhone, okay, that's fantastic. An iPhone is a really simple thing for a user to use. But the level of complexity that goes into designing modeling and interacting with that device is huge. So there's a, a massive divide between those who use and those who design. Now, there's loads of vendors out there in every single aspect of the IT field claiming they have a converged solution of some form, but it's not the real case. Do you have any experiences where people might have erroneously claimed to be fully converged? Uh, yeah, definitely. I used many different technology stacks. We were a merchant acquisition company where I came from. So we would have different vendors come in and say, hey, this is our platform and it works great. And I'd be like, hey, how do you work with vendor B? You know, Or even within your own ecosystem, how do you work between your SIM element and your firewall or your firewall and your networking? Is there any platform or is it just a bunch of silos that are slightly integrated through another IDP authentication event or even a redirect? right, with a non-standard UI, and you lose that simplicity, that feeling of cohesion throughout the platform. So there was a lot of different vendors that claimed to do that, but it's very hard to achieve, right? Because you have to start out with that mindset of, I'm going to keep it simple, I'm going to keep it unified, and this is the interface. And just like with the iPhone, you have that same consistent interface throughout the platform. No matter where you go, what app you load, it's always an iPhone iOS background. So from your previous company, I'm not here to name and shame, how many vendors did you work with before Cato? How many appliances or how many vendor relationships did you have to manage for networking and security? That's a great question. Very hard to calculate. There are so many. We even had an MSP involved that we were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to help manage the different technology stacks throughout the organization on top of trying to integrate them and play nicely. So I would say overall between 40 to 50 different IT vendors and stacks and silos. And of that 40 to 50 vendors and silos, how many were you personally capable to operate? Or how many were you confident to operate, I should say? Well, that's a good qualifying point there because, you know, capable and confident, they're very different, right? So, you know, for me, I did my best, but as your ecosystems grow and what you have to support, you have to level up personally, but ultimately there's only 24 hours in a day and you can't do everything. Even if the solution is the best in breed, you might need a team of 20 people to manage it. How do you do that if you don't have 20 people dedicated to that single function? So a confident, I could say I was able to manage 10 to 15 of those, maybe effectively or really effectively. The rest of them, I did my best, right? But I wasn't, you know, specialized in that specific field. So there was some gaps for me personally. And then, of course, that led gaps in the technology. And the more gaps there are, the more areas that hackers or those with malicious intent can slip through those cracks and exfiltrate your data if you're not having a fully protected environment, which is often seen as being a scary or, what's the term, career-limiting move. If you don't have full coverage, then there's gaps to exfiltrate. 
But it's not just about the gaps in the technology that we have to be worried about if we're a non-converged environment. You know, yourself and I, we are at heart nerds. We are geeks. We are technological aficionados. But we can't escape the ever-dreaded idea of the dollar. So in the past, what sort of operational costs were you seeing dealing with many different point products? It was a full-time job just kind of managing and consolidating those budgets, especially with an MA company where you had different business units trying to converge together, not only you know from the technology side, but from the business side, understanding different discrete manufacturing processes, as well as pulling all those financials back together. And so that really left that big kind of gap, right, from the finance side to understand all of the spend globally, and then really kind of tying that together was the hardest a big challenge for our team worldwide to understand what that spend was. But we were spending between, I think, $1 and $2 million a year across all business units, right, throughout the different technology stacks. Was that just purchasing or was it also including people's time and effort? No, that was just purchasing, maintenance, the MSP that I mentioned, kind of understanding and quantifying what's in scope and out of scope. Those are always big things with retaining MSPs because they need to get paid too. And if you have gaps, like we mentioned, right, we have to cover those gaps either with more humans internally or externally. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> that gives me a very nice thought, actually. How much time do you spend personally researching technology by? If you wanted to go and buy a new phone, a new game, how much time do you spend researching before making that purchase? I'm kind of in that nerd camp with you, right? I want to make sure that I'm making an informed, intelligent decision so I don't have to go back and, you know, re-up the dollar and spend something. So hours and hours and hours in short, but, you know, it's a load of time. A load of time. So I presume that most vendors out there or most businesses or corporations that are looking to purchase a software solution of some form, whether it be an IPS, a secure web gateway, an SD-WAN appliance, they're going to have to do a significant amount of due diligence. In your career history, in your expertise, what sort of challenges did you see during the technical validation or due diligence process? Definitely was a big challenge, right? Both with the MSP and our internal team who even had to validate their solutions they were providing and where they weren't engaged in other parts of the platform. We had to do all that due diligence ourselves. So it was definitely an uphill battle involving multiple architects, right? Understanding the best solution to start with, getting that in front then of the executives and then them always coming back with, well, why does it cost so much? Can we do it with something cheaper? <laughs> That's a constant push. It's like, why do we need to spend $100,000 on this vendor? Can't you just code it? I've been on Stack Overflow and found a quick script. There we go, homegrown. And that leads to a poorly delivered, poorly maintained product that acts more as a workaround than anything else. So do you have any war stories about where due diligence went wrong? Sure, yeah. I definitely pitched, you know, that kind of, overarching cybersecurity policy and structure and framework. And it was denied, you know, there wasn't any recent events. And so when there's nothing in the news cycle, whether it's internally or externally, people tend to lose focus about it. And so when that happens, in some cases, the money and the funding also seems to hit that same decline. And so when I pitched my, I thought it was relatively well adjusted budget of $250,000 for security products. I was offered $10,000 back and I said, I could go get some nice posters 
for the wall with that and distribute them. Like, don't plug in USB keys to your computer when you go to work because they're probably infected with malware if you just found them in the driveway, right? Don't do that, right? So nonetheless, needless to say, after some time, there was what I like to call a catalyst event where all of a sudden funding seemed to go straight up like that. So unfortunately, in today's environment, sometimes it takes that jolting event, you know, whether it's a hurricane or something else to kind of get people's visibility and awareness back into focus. Mm -hmm. That's the classic IT dilemma. If everything's going well, people ask, why are we paying you? If things go horribly, you get asked, why are we paying you? There's no way of winning. It's the, the silent heroes that go through. And security or security products are generally seen as that amplified. Because if you do have a breach, the cost of a breach is, I think, average, I think, four million the last time I saw. I need to quote that. But the cost of a breach is huge. And not just the initial financial cost. You also have to be cognizant of the impact to your reputation. You have to be cognizant of your cleanup time. You then have to start reassessing your internal security procedures and policies. And then you start actually scraping other products to kind of cover your back and identify the holes. And it's not just the technology you have to worry about, it's also the users. As you mentioned, finding a USB drive in the driveway, drive, driveway, double drive, that's risky. So the human element of education also has to be maintained. And as we all know, humans are terrible. Computers are good, they do exactly what you tell it. People, they just do what they want all of the time. So that's some good ideas and good ideas. So imagine this, you are talking to a customer. This customer has 15 different vendors that they deal with for security, networking, access, and identity. How do you quantify if they are ready to move towards a converged solution versus maintaining what they have today? Sure. It comes down to a lot of things. You know, one of them you mentioned is budget. Another one is people, that human resource. You know, if you're thinking about Toyota lean type of methodology where you're trying to do more with less people, those are all good synergies, right? For convergence, right? Taking down those silos, breaking down those integrations between silo A and B and finding a platform that built those things out of the gate with the structure required for security, right? Those are the differentiators and those are the things that you want to focus in. Also those pain points, right? Maybe you have 15 different vendors, but you only have two people to manage them. How do you do that? How do you accomplish that? You can find an MSP, but you're going to spend money there too, because it's just an external human. And like you mentioned, humans are always vulnerable and weak. <laughs> they are. Humans get tired. Humans always take the path of least resistance. If you're telling them that the security policy is you need to click a menu three times and they find a way to just click it once, they will click it once. It's in our nature to find the most efficient route we can. So you mentioned time, you mentioned budget, you mentioned headcount and people. If you're in an environment where you are lacking all three, you do not have a great budget, you do not have a lot of time, and you have a very small staff, how do you still stay protected? Because there's a lot of work to be done and if you don't have the resources, how are you going to do it? Well, in my case, in the past, as a practitioner and an IT leader, as well as a security expert, right, I had to come to a solution that would allow me to leverage those capabilities in line 
without of that extra overhead. I didn't have CCMPs and CCNEs on staff to help me. I did at certain times, but you know what? They're hard to find in any environment, especially today's hiring environment. So I had to do more with less, right? Less staff. And I converged kind of all of those things into the Cato Networks platform, which really enabled me to bring those security and networking elements up to an enterprise scale right? Leveraging other enterprise technologies like Microsoft Azure and other business platforms like Domo and Tableau and pulling all of those disparate pieces together under one umbrella to get that full security and network optimization piece without the additional large overhead of cost and humans that I just, I couldn't retain that staff level. Nor did the executives allow me to with the budget, right? They're like, oh, they left. Hey, that's great. Save money. Here's a headcount gone. Oh, can you hire it out? You know, here's 10 grand. Go buy some posters. Okay, that's great. Hey, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sad fact of our macroeconomic condition that things are looking a bit shaky in the markets at the moment. And everybody is being asked to do more with less. So unfortunately, if you're in that scenario, in that situation, Cato can help you. We're here. But I know we're not here just to sell Cato, as we have lots of great marketing and sales resources there. The more intent is to look at your security strategy, to look at your networking strategy, and identify gaps where you have them. Now, as you mentioned earlier, point products equals bad, because point products equals gaps, and you're relying on the two products to talk to each other and be configured the right way. But a truly converged platform doesn't really have those gaps. But what happens if a customer, if a prospect, if a person adopts what they think to be a converged vendor, but turns out it's not fully converged and gaps appear. What should they do then? They got to take a hard look at the technology stack and they might have to hit the reboot button as hard as that is. And I can say that from personal experience, right? Because you fall in love with the technology you deploy. They're like children. You're like, hey, look at, I built this beautiful thing and it grew up now and it's off to college and it's great, except for it fell down in its face and it's drowning in a puddle, right? And so you've got to pick that up and get it out of the environment or make that strategic decision to push forward and push through the problems. And sometimes in my past, companies were willing to listen. You know, like Cato, other times I'd worked with very large telecoms, you know, like AT&T, Verizon, and you go to them, you say, hey, your platform is broken like this and say, you just don't spend enough money with us. We'll talk to you when you're at 10 to $50 million a year spend with us. And sometimes that's just not affordable for small to medium or even large businesses to do with every one of their vendors. It all comes down to cost justification. And if your teenager is face down in the puddle, well, sorry, you should have bought the water-breathing add-on module license at an extra $3.5 million a year. It's your fault, naughty, naughty. Which we see that time and time and again. You'd see a huge breach happen on some form of social media or some form of vendor, and they would say, oh, the reason they breached was because they didn't have X, Y, Z. But this is, in very many ways, victim-blaming. It's taking the breach and not looking at the root cause. It's instead whipping somebody for something they didn't have. And then, as you see, budget miraculously appears, as you meant, a catalyst event, I like that way you put it, happens, and that starts to build up. But sometimes this isn't the fault of the company. It's not the fault of the vendor. It's a fault from a misalignment or misexpectation of what they think they have and what they actually have. And the more products you have, the bigger that gap happens. Now, I always like to think of this as shapes. Imagine a triangle. A triangle has three points. It has three lines. Every single point of the triangle only has to talk to one other point or two other points. Great. If you have a square, 
then you have to talk to three points or there's three lines of communication. And the more people you add exponentially, the lines of communication, the lines of integration get so complex that it becomes a very unmanageable mess. So let's talk practicals. Let's do a little role play, actually. Imagine I am a CTO, a chief technology officer for a mid-scale business in, ooh, let's say, the pharmaceutical industry, just picking ideas out of my head. What should I do? I want three tips, three bullet points for securing myself. But let's start with number one. What's point number one I should do? So point number one, you should definitely converge your different technology stacks, right? Bring them under one umbrella so that there's less management overhead and less gaps. Two, being in pharmaceuticals, clearly you have things that are proprietary, intellectual property, secrets that are important to your organization. Protect your estate, protect your crown jewels, right? Really understand and identify and define what those are and then secure those first and foremost, because if they're compromised or lost, you might be looking at a business ending event. And then three, of course, hire and retain the right people that are qualified to manage the platform that you pursue. If that's a really complex platform that has a lot of nice features and can do everything in it, but is hard to learn, you might need a team of people to do that. But if that's the direction you're picking, you need to carve out the budget and the funding to make that happen. That's a good piece of advice, but it does lead me to throw an objection your way. How do you find a vendor that you can trust? Because every vendor out there say they're best in breed. Every single vendor on the market say, I can cover everything. And if you buy us, then we can give you the crown jewels. We can roll out the red carpet and you don't have to worry at all. So how is that trust formed? It's really a relationship and a journey, right? You have to understand the technology, know those things we just talked about and identified, what you're looking for, and then focus on the vendors in that space. Also, you know, use other things like Gartner or Forrester or some other research agencies. You know, another thing I do is I talk to other CIOs, my equivalent throughout my industry, my peer group, and understand the technology, the direction that they took and understand the why as well because I trust them and they're probably already a year or two down their journey. So they could just say, hey, Dan, stay away from them. They're, they're no good. Or, hey, Dan, this worked really good. And this was our use case. Of course, you know, you get lots of testimonials like that, but pick those trusted resources that you know. Okay. And if you don't have any connections in the space, if you're relatively new to the IT industry and you've been given the task of managing a network, how do you instill trust if you don't have that support network? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, jumping into those technologies and really understanding deep dive yourself, right? Level up yourself, get familiar with that space because ultimately it's your neck on the chopping block, right? So if you don't do it right, if you don't nail it, you're probably history, Jack, right? And nobody wants to be history. It's not business, it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, you're completely correct. When you go out to your leadership and you, you act as a champion for a product or for a vendor, you are effectively putting your own reputation on the line. So if you don't fully believe in the product, and if you don't have a clear vision what the return on investment are, then how are your executive team going to identify? And if you make a wrong decision, if you don't go with a vendor that's truly converged to simplify your life, then yes, that might be a career-ending event, or that might be a business-ending event if all things go wrong. So talking of ending careers, let's talk about beginning careers. If you could go back in time to 2006 as you were entering the IT space for the very first time, what piece of advice would you give younger Dan that you know today? 
Well, you know, a lot of it, like we just talked about, is that relationships, forming those relationships with your peers, whether it's the college, high school, or even at the professional sector level, just really forming those and maintaining those. Those give you insight into the market between what is converged and not converged, right? Because they're going to be using different technology stacks. So you'd be able to level up in that hive mind mentality, right? Be able to update your personal knowledge management with all of those different artifacts and consolidate them into one schema, right? So that you can recall them and use them. Another thing, you know, technology evolves so fast, you just got to be constantly learning and pushing yourself to evolve every day, right? Because if you don't, I used to have a sign outside the data center because we had a lot of old equipment, right? So I said, dinosaurs belong in the toy box, not in the data center. It was a picture of dinosaurs in the toy box. So I'm like, yeah, see that? We need more funding over here. Can we get some new servers? Like they're from 2012. I mean, (laughs) so again, staying abreast with technology and securing that funding, you know, making sure that you can prove that business case, those VCPs, the ROI, and really bring that back to an executive talk track where you can speak about those things and be that trusted security expert as well as understand the technology. Okay, that's some good advice. And hopefully young Dan would have learned a lot from slightly older Dan. I'm not going to say old, slightly older. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been very insightful. I've had a few good takeaways. If you wanted, what one thing would you like listeners to remember from this podcast? Understand the technology and converge your stacks because that's the only way you'll truly be successful is by breaking down those silos. Break down the silos, converge the stacks. I like that. Okay, until next time, have a great day. That was all for our episode today. I hope you've come away feeling a little more educated and empowered. In case you've forgotten, I'm Robin Johns and you've been listening to Convergence by Cato Networks. Don't forget to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.